is Luke chapter 4 from verse 31 to 44 and can be found on page 1031 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back and page numbers for those are on the screen. (coughs) So Luke 4 starting at verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are! With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ros, thank you. Um, I suppose we probably didn't miss it, as that was read out so well for us. Um, the, the key thread, if you like, that ties this passage uh, together is that idea of authority. It's just flat out stated in verse 32, isn't it, that Jesus is teaching. Uh, They were amazed, it says, at his teaching because his words had authority. Verse 36, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words are these? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. Uh, Jesus' words carry this sense of authority, but just his actions... Uh, The way he is in the passage, this guy comes in with this impure spirit. What does Jesus say? Verse 35, be quiet. Just you can feel the authority in his words there. Or or later on in verse um, 41, as loads of demons, people with demon possession come to him uh, shouting uh, and Jesus rebukes them. uh, And look at that in verse 41, would not allow them to speak. This is Jesus. He has authority. His, his words have authority. His works have authority. Everything he does has this sense of authority about it. 
And that's what people saw about Jesus from the very first days of his ministry. When Jesus came into a town, into a place, people said, wow, this guy has authority. He's just got that air about him. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. He's got an agenda. He's got something he's working to, and he knows how to do it. Jesus has authority in his words, in his works. Now, we are uh, doing a little series in Luke chapters 4 to 6, which is sort of the start of Jesus' earthly ministry as he's uh, going around starting to preach and uh, he does miracles, and we see some of a flavor of that in this passage. And what we're doing is we're taking a long, hard look at Jesus, which is a great thing to do at any time of the year. It's great to take a look at Jesus because he is breathtaking. He's extraordinary. When you see what he's like and what he does, it's like, wow. Now, um, who needs to take a long, hard look at Jesus? Well, uh, you need to take a long, hard look at Jesus if you're here as somebody who doesn't know much about church and Christian things. You're just interested. Best thing you can do, take a long, hard look at Jesus. Uh, Because he is the center, the heartbeat of the Christian faith. So if you want to understand what Christians believe, taking a look at Jesus is a great place to start. So this series is great for you. If you're somebody who's been a Christian maybe for a while, um, it's easy to get a bit jaded. I know that. I've moved on. I'm doing the other stuff now. It's great to come back and refresh ourselves with a long, hard look at Jesus. And that's part of what this series is doing. And, and the series is called Jesus Words Powerful but controversial, because one of the things you find about Jesus is he's both, on the one hand, really attractive. There's something beautiful and good about Jesus, but on the other hand, he's a little bit unsettling. Paul kicked off our series last week with that passage, how he's rejected in his hometown of of Nazareth, that he is uh, unsettling to them. And what we see today is, is following on that theme in this section of Luke, that that Jesus, there's something wonderful and magnetic about him, but at the same time, there's something slightly unsettling. And if I do my job right today, what I'm supposed to do, you'll hopefully feel that. Something wonderful, attractive, powerful, magnetic about Jesus, but at the same time, something a little bit unsettling about him. And it all comes down to this issue of authority, Because Jesus' authority is, on the one hand, powerful, attractive, something that would draw us to Jesus. But on the other hand, it's a bit controversial for us. It's a bit difficult for us in various uh, ways. And I guess particularly in our day and age, because um, we have something of an authority paradox. When it comes to this whole idea of authority, uh, on the one hand... We know we need it. Isn't it great when someone walks into the room, everyone's confused, everyone's not sure what to do, and someone can walk in and say, right, I see what the issue is here. Here's what we need to do next. Life can be tricky and confusing, can't it? Any decent um, workplace will have a decent boss, right? Uh, Somebody who can come in and just clear up the situation and say, hey, this is what's going on here. Here's what we need to do. Um, Workplaces, football teams... Remember this man? He's quite old news now, isn't he? Alex Ferguson. But the big problem that Manchester United have had in the last few years has been who's going to replace him. 
because he had an authority there. He knew how that club ran. He knew he had the respect of everybody. He knew how to get them moving. And, and whenever you lose a great manager, whether it's Manchester United, who's your team, or it's another team, you know, replacing them's difficult, isn't it? Lots of teams try four, five, six, seven managers because they don't quite know how to, how to run things in the same way. See, we know we need authority. We need that person who's going to come and say, look, look, this is how it works. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, and it just clears things up, doesn't it? And so Jesus comes along and, and he's like that with life. People come to Jesus in all sorts of difficult situations, difficult problems, and Jesus just seems to know what to do, doesn't he? Have you ever noticed that when you read about Jesus? There's no umming and ahhing, no, whoa, what do we do here? He just seems to know. That's a beautifully, wonderfully attractive thing. And we all know that. We, we need authority. But on the other hand, our authority paradox, we resist authority. There's something about it that we don't like. It's that who are you to tell me what to do kind of attitude. There's a famous poem, uh, just a couple of lines of it there, uh, from uh, William Ernest Henley. It's called Invictus. And the last two lines, it says, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And, and there's something in that that we like as well. We want to be in charge of what we're doing and where we're going. And so Jesus comes in and says, actually, no, I'm the one with authority here. That's a little bit unsettling for us in our uh, day and age. But there's another reason why we resist authority. And that's because we've seen it misused. That's because we've seen it abused. People with power who use that power selfishly, ruthlessly, uh, for their own benefits, for their own good, and don't mind who they trample on in the meantime. And when you see authority used like that, that's, that's brutal. That's, that's ugly. And that doesn't just happen, by the way, out there in the world. That happens in the church too. You may not know or you may have seen the stories circulating in the press about various church leaders. Uh, some of them from conservative evangelical churches. Some of them whose ministries I've sat under. I've listened to them preach. One of them, I, I heard them preach here in this church. So please don't think this is something that's a long way away and very far away. Authority can be abused all over the place. It's something we have to be vigilant about um, and it's an old dilemma, our fear with authority. This, this is a guy called Marius Julius Brutus. Uh, we know him by his surname, Brutus. Uh, you might have heard of him, Julius Caesar. He betrays his friend Julius Caesar. And in the play, he says, the abuse of greatness is when it disjoins remorse from power. What, what he's saying there is, when people get too much power and they stop caring about the little people, that's dangerous. And that's why Brutus betrays Caesar in the play. He's worried Caesar's getting too much power and he will abuse his authority. So we have this authority paradox. We, we know it's a good thing in some cases and, and we need it. We need that person who knows what they're doing. But we're worried both because we don't really like the idea of being told what to do, if we're honest, and because we've seen how authority can be misused. So we're understandably uh, sceptical. Another voice from the past. Uh, you guys might not know who this is. Uh, his name's Tony Benn. He was a politician in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was sort of like, 
I'm trying to explain it to you guys. He was sort of like Jeremy Corbyn before Jeremy Corbyn. Okay? One or two people giggling because they know what I'm saying. Uh, and, and he used to say, anybody with power, anybody with authority, you want to ask them five questions. Five questions so that uh, you can keep them in check. What power do you have? In whose interests do you use that power? Who gave you your power? Who are you accountable to? And how can we get rid of you? And he said that last question was the key one. He says, if, if you can't answer that last question, you're not in a democracy. Uh, that's what he said about power and authority. Well, we'll come back to that in a little bit. But, but right now, the first thing we want to see from the passage, which is right there for us, is that Jesus has uh, authority. So given that we're wary of authority, we're skeptical of it, but we kind of see why it's needed. Let's take a little bit of a look at Jesus' authority now. Uh, and see this first, that Jesus' authority is used to do good. The first way in which he does good is, verse 31, he goes down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. On the Sabbath, he taught the people. It's great to have people who can teach us. People who understand things better than we do, who can make things clear that were confusing and complicated. And they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. What a wonderful thing. We all need teachers, people who can clear up things that are difficult for us. Um, Wonderful. Jesus wants to use his authority to help people understand. Then verse 33, a little snag. They're in the synagogue. And there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You can imagine the scene, can't you? It's as if, you know, we're here listening to God's word. That's what they would have been doing, reading the scroll. And then imagine somebody walks in, looking a little worse for wear, perhaps a little unusual, and screaming and screeching at the top of their voice. Go away. What are you doing here? Now, um, occasionally you take enough church services uh, and you will find some slightly disruptive person walks in from time to time. Now, when you're in the Church of England, what tends to happen is the person leading the service looks slightly embarrassed and uh, ooh, a bit British. And ooh, would you mind awfully just uh, other people are trying to en- enjoy the, the service. So if you could just maybe take a seat over there. That's not what Jesus does. <laughs> Because he has authority. Just bear in mind that this character who walks into the synagogue that day was probably quite a scary character. If you ever meet people who, um, yeah, in in this case we're told it's demonic possession. But but people who are in some way uh, quite like this, loud and scary. Now when we were growing up, I'm not saying this was demon possession or anything, but stories were told by the kids about like the person who lived in the woods. Uh, they gave him a name. I, I don't even know if there was a person who lived in the woods, but they, they called him Widdy. And we were, we were all supposed to avoid this man. So you didn't go to the woods on your own because you might run into this scary person. Now, when you see people with impure spirits uh, and demon possession, you've got to think if, if you were a parent, or uh, if you had little brothers and sisters in that town, you'd want to stay away from those people. They'd be quite unsettling, scary people. And to have this guy walk into the synagogue that day, everyone else probably fell on edge. But look at Jesus. 
Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. And then speaking to the spirit, come out of him. The demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. An amazing moment. This person who everyone else probably a bit scared of, not, know, not sure what to do when something like this comes across their path. And Jesus, just without hesitating, fixes it. What words are these with authority and power? He gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. It's easy to skim over these stories, but remember, that's a person's life. Think what his life would have been like as this spirit took hold of him. Think how it would have affected all his relationships with family, with friends. Uh, Think about how it would have turned his life off course. And here's Jesus with his authority coming in and doing good for him. He did good for the crowd as they were taught, as he made sense of the scriptures for them. But he did good for this man too. He used his authority to do good in his life. Well, story number two, he he leaves the synagogue, verse 38, and went to the house of Simon, that's Simon Peter, his friend. And Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So you can imagine the thing, uh, maybe a slightly older relative, although she's probably not that old here, but in bed, can barely get up, no energy, uh, racked with fever. In days when, you know, you don't have an NHS, Nobody understands that much about medicine. This is the sort of thing that people just die from. They're worried. They're panicked. Is there anything you can do, Jesus? 39. He bent over her. And get this. Rebuked the fever. (laughs) Told it off. (laughs) I have no idea if it was a virus or whatever it was. but, But Jesus can can lean down and speak to the virus or the illness or whatever it was going through her body and tell them off. Come on, out you get, out of her now. And it left her. What kind of man's this? I mean, teaching people, yeah, we, we kind of get that. And, and demon possession, well, Jesus is sort of, you know, he's, God and and there's a spiritual battle going on, but even diseases come out and it leaves her. It would have been an amazing thing to see. Just with a word, look what Jesus can do. And again, somebody who is sick, possibly dying, and all of a sudden, she got up at once and began to wait on them. I guess that's a grateful response to what she's received. Uh, but the point is, her, her life's now there's back, back to normal. Here she was, this, this illness decaying her. And now she can get up and do all the things she normally did. Jesus has authority for sure, but don't miss that he uses that authority to do good. To walk into people whose lives are broken, disjointed, messed up in some sort of way. And he uses his power and authority to fix it. 
to put things back on balance. And that's great news because we're all broken. Oh yeah, we all know how to put on a show. We can come to church on Sunday and pretend that everything's going great. We can try and not let people in to give the illusion that we've got life sorted. But we don't. None of us do. We have messy relationships. Poor self-image. Messy work lives. Messy family lives. We're all broken. And here is Jesus who has power and authority and brings it into people's lives to do good. It's beautifully attractive. The Bible says the reason we all suffer brokenness is because we've all turned away from God. We've, we've sinned against him, is the Bible's language. And that, that result of pulling ourselves away from the God we were made for it does lead to all the other results of brokenness in, in, in the world. Now, not every single case of brokenness is anyone's fault in particular. But the whole pattern of sin causing a broken world is there in the Bible. The even more wonderful news is that Jesus came to fix that problem. The problem behind all our other problems. Because he wants to use his authority to do good. Now, I just want us to see in these two stories, there's a balance. There's a beautiful balance that that the writer Luke, I think, is trying to draw out for us here. One of them's a man. One of them's a woman. One of them's suffering from a supernatural problem, an impure spirit. One of them from a natural problem, a disease. Uh, One of them seeks Jesus out, goes to the synagogue where he is. Uh, One of them can't seek him out at all, and he seeks her. He goes to her. I think Luke's putting these together. They're two very different people. In very different situations, with very different problems. And yet, Jesus' power, Jesus' authority is such that he can bring good into both. Because he has the power and authority to do good for anyone. And as if to underline the point, after telling these two stories, verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of illnesses and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people. Shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Whoever you are, whatever your problems, whatever your situations right now. I want to tell you that I think Luke's saying here, Jesus has the power, the authority to bring good into your life. He will do good for you and good to you. And therefore, don't give up on him. You should be attracted to his authority. It's good news for you. And if you're a Christian here who longs to share the gospel with a friend, uh, maybe a colleague or a co-worker or a neighbor or or someone on your course, if you're a student, if you're anything like me, when I used to try and do that, I felt very nervous as though I was sort of putting an imposition on them. And I felt like they'd be doing me a favor if they came along to something or had a conversation about something. Do you realize we're trying to introduce them to the Jesus who has the authority and power to bring good into their messy, broken lives? We don't have to be apologetic. We're, we're bringing them something good. What a wonderful thing. Jesus' authority is used to do good. 
I hope that feels beautiful and attractive to you. I think that's what Luke wants. Uh, But there is an edge to it. Jesus' authority is God-given, and his agenda is God-driven. See, verse 42 is, is a great verse, because I know exactly how these people in Capernaum are feeling at this point. Or I can imagine how they're feeling, should I say. They've seen these amazing things. Guy rocks up to church with a demon, gets cast out. Somebody's been healed of a high fever. Loads of people are being healed of various problems. Well, what's your reaction? Well, your natural reaction would be like the people in verse 42, I guess. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. We'll we'll come back to that in a moment. The people were looking for him, and they came to where he was. They tried to keep him from leaving them. Well, you would, wouldn't you? (laughs) Here's this guy with power and authority, bringing good into people's lives. We we like it when he's around. (laughs) But here's the point. Here's the uncomfortable point. Jesus doesn't follow their plans. Why has he gone to this solitary place? Jesus often did that. Uh, We're often told that he goes there to pray. We're not told that here, but it's quite possible. And Jesus goes to pray because he realizes he's on a mission. Verse 43, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why, notice these words, I was sent. Jesus has been sent by God his Father. He has a mission from God his Father. And it is God his Father's plans that he must keep center stage. Now, uh, what this verse is quite saying, there's a bit of debate. So on the one hand, there are people who are saying, people who would look at the passage and say, well, he's, he's worried about becoming a wonder worker, a miracle sideshow. And so instead of doing just the miracles, he he needs to go and proclaim. Did you see that in verse 43? I don't want to get in this sideshow of miracle working. That's what some people say this passage means. I've got to go and tell people about the good news of God in other towns and villages. That's certainly possible, I think, in Mark. uh, The similar story, that's the emphasis. But here, I think what it's saying is, I can't just be trapped in one place. The people in Capernaum want him to stay there. Don't leave us. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Jesus says, I I can't just be trapped in Capernaum with you guys. I have a mission, and God's mission is for me to go around to all other places in Israel to spread this good news. But either way, whichever one of those two you think, the, the point is the same. The people have an agenda for Jesus. They want him to do what they want. Stay here, Jesus. Make our lives better. You can fix all these problems, all these broken areas in our lives. Stay with us. But Jesus doesn't. Because he doesn't follow the will of the crowd. He does the will of his father. And that's the unsettling thing about this authority of Jesus. Particularly unsettling for us, I think, in a day and age of democracy. Now, democracy is a good thing. It restrains people from doing evil with their power because you can vote them out. I'm not against democracy in human governments and things like that. But Jesus doesn't work like that. You can't tell him what to do. 
And you can't vote him out because his agenda, his plan is set by his father, the one who sent him. He is not a puppet. He will do amazing good in your life if you come to Jesus, if, if you allow him in. He will do amazing good in your life, but you can't control him. He's the one in control. Let's just return to those questions. What power do you have, Jesus? He has the power to do good. To fix brokenness. Wherever he sees it. In whose interest do you use that power, Jesus? Those who need it. Those who are broken, which is great news because that's all of us. Who gave you it? This power comes straight from God. He was sent by God. To whom are you accountable? Only to God. Because it's his power that I have. And here's the the kicker. How can we get rid of you? You can't. You can't get rid of Jesus. He's the one with power and authority from God who sent him. You can't kick him out of power because we are not in a democracy if we're Christians. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. It's a kingdom. It has a king. That's an unsettling truth, I guess, for some of us. And that's the point of the series, isn't it? Jesus powerful, and we see that power used beautifully for the good of people here, but controversial. Challenging, uncomfortable, difficult. You can't kick him out. He is the one with authority. Our job, our duty, is actually to submit to his authority. Now here's the thing. We've talked about power being possible to be abused and things like that earlier on. Jesus' earthly ministry shows he doesn't use his power in his own interests. And he uses it to do good. You can, if you can trust anybody with power, you can trust Jesus. So I think if you're uncomfortable about this, it's not a reason to walk away from Jesus. He's the one person you can trust with this kind of power. But you've got to realize that trusting him means saying, you're king. It's your kingdom I'm joining, not, not my own. And that might mean loads of things for us. It might mean being willing to listen to his teaching instead of our own wisdom. It might mean having an area of our lives that Jesus isn't happy with being corrected. But that's the point, I think, that Luke is trying to get home to us here about Jesus and his authority. It's a beautiful authority, a wonderful authority, a good authority, but it can't be controlled by us. We've got to be willing to see Jesus for who he is, the one with authority, the one whose words have authority. And it's an authority we need to submit to. But don't miss the fact that it's an authority that does good. Submitting to this authority is not something you will regret. Because Jesus only ever uses it to bring good about. Let me pray.
Father God, thank you. Thank you for this word of yours. Thank you for uh, the words of your son that we see. Help us through this series to take a long look at him. To see his beauty and his goodness. Yes, to be left challenged by the things that should challenge us. To see that he doesn't fit in with us and our agendas. He has a power and authority that comes straight from you. But help us to see what good news that is. If Jesus worked on my agenda, Father, then, oh, there'd be so many errors and mistakes because my agenda's not perfectly good. It's stained by sin in so many ways, and yet he follows your agenda, a perfect good agenda. Help us to be thankful and to rejoice in that truth. And as we see his goodness and his beauty, help us to be willing more and more to submit to him, to his powerful, authoritative words. And as we do that, Father, we we pray we would know and experience the blessing of having him as our king, of being part of his kingdom. And what a wonderful thing that is. In his name we pray. Amen.
please be 